This is Stock Culture. With Stock Culture. Presented by your host, Billy Clement and Ronnie Jones. What's up, everyone? Hey, welcome to another episode of Stock Culture, man. We are so excited to have uh, one of our. Uh, uh, a guest today on the on the show that's gonna definitely give us some great great input. But before we get to him, man, let's get to Ronnie, man. Ronnie, what's up, bro? Yo, what's going on? How are you, man? I'm doing well, man. How how was the market treating you today? It was good. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen that Dollar Tree jump from yesterday. I wish Yo, I it, that- but I got some puts on the downside today, so that worked. <laughs> I still don't understand why they flew up that much, even though the I news don't know was- either. The news, I thought the news would be a negative thing, you know, for to, to change your business model from offering something that was a dollar to offering something that's more, cost more than a dollar now. So that's, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but on this show today, man, we have Bruce, Mr. Bruce Dinger. What's up, Bruce? Welcome to the show, man. What's going on, Billy? What's going on, Ronnie? Pleasure hey, to be here. Hey, Hey man, I was just talking to Bruce about his background. He has this awesome background on his uh on his computer, and it turns out it's actually a real background for his office, man. So you guys should see this. This is amazing. <laughs> so Bruce, man, welcome to the show. I yeah. definitely want to kind of um, touch base with you a little bit, and like I said, we start culture. We literally we 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 bring you know stories of like different traders, investors, uh, anybody who's in the stock market. The whole goal is just to help some people out there, you know, whether it's to get a better understanding of what the stock market is or, you know, if they're on the fence about, you know, getting into the, you know, to the investing world, just help them out. You know what I mean? Now, I feel like the best way to do that is to, you know, to uh, telling telling stories and stuff. So let's go back, man. Let's go back to uh, young Bruce. Uh, before before you get before you got started, before you got into the investment world, like how was life like? How where did you grow up? How was you know your family and all that stuff? Yeah, so my my, my dad was in the military, so I grew up with a very very strong work ethic. You know, he was the chief. He retired as the chief master sergeant. It was always yes sir, no sir. Otherwise, you got the back of his hand. You know, so uh, it, my dad he he always said, you ever want to get familiar? You ever want to go ahead and get to get get uh, wealthy in life? He goes, you got to get familiar with two letters of the alphabet: O T, overtime. You know, and that was just his mindset. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, I grew up mostly, I, I have been all over the world, uh, born in Texas, lived in Izmir, Turkey, uh, lived in Germany for like eight, eight or nine years, Italy, Spain, Switzerland, I mean, all over. Um, and, and when we came back to the States, we, we moved to Maine up north and um, all it did was snow over there. But yeah. we, I lived in a little place called Limestone and we had an opportunity to before school started to go out at three o'clock in the morning and pick potatoes of all things. And we got paid by the barrel. So my dad had us out there picking potatoes at three o'clock in the morning before he went to school. Oh and that's God. the environment I grew up in. Golly. Three o'clock in the morning. How old were you? I mean, you don't mind me I was asking. Just a kid, man. I was just a kid. I, I don't want to say because my, my dad might get put in jail or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like child labor. Child right abuse. There. Exactly, man. <laughs> yeah. But how did that, how did that, uh, especially with the traveling and stuff, how did that shape your, your view of, you know, what is to be like work ethic or even like how life is? How did that shape your, your kind of view at that, that early it, age? It definitely had an impact on me, Billy. I mean, it, it gave me the, the insight that there was a lot more to life than just what I saw and just what I was growing up with. I mean, I'm not going to say we grew up poor, but we certainly were not rich. You know, we want my mom and dad, they would cut out coupons and whatnot and, you know, um, he was, my dad was working two jobs. My mom would do the side hustle. 
So, uh, but I always knew there was more than just breaking your back and working with your hands and whatnot. I just knew there was more to, to, to life than that. And traveling the world, I saw different parts of uh, the, the different parts of the world and different how different people lived in different parts of the world. Right. And even at a very early age, I saw that people that were just what I viewed at that time, driving nice cars and wealthy and whatnot, they were investors. They were mm. either investing in real estate or they were investing in the financial markets. So how did how did you how did you find that out? How did you know that there were investors? Like um... you know, talking to people. You know, when 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 we were young, we'd get together for di different uh, um, um, events. My dad would have the, mm -hmm. his colonel over, and his colonel was was always investing in the markets. And you know, even at a very young age, I remember I I just I would be reading the uh, the Wall Street Journal. Oh wow! And my okay. mom, my mom. This is at an early age, and my mom would. Her friends would come over. She goes, "Oh, look at that! Isn't that cute? Your son's reading your your husband's paper." And my mm. my mom would say, "That's that's not my husband's paper. That's his paper. That's his paper." <laughs> <laughs> like, you better recognize that's his paper. Uh, <laughs> Wait, yeah. so you picked up you picked up some of those habits from your father, or just like it's just like you naturally kind of gravitate toward those getting to yeah, know more just just naturally kind of gravitated towards it. I mean. The, the, the work ethic I definitely got from my parents. I will okay. tell you that. I mean, I to this day, I get up at 4.03 a.m. every morning. I've been doing that for years now. Um, I, don't, I don't go to bed that, that, late, that early either. I mean, I try to get to bed before 10, um, mm. but, you know, I have kids as well. So it, it's sometimes it's a little bit more difficult, but uh, you yeah, definitely got the work ethic from my parents. And um, I think it was my mom that really influenced me as well. My mom, she had a uh, third or fourth grade education at best. But she here she is speaking six different languages. Uh, she would she would get money as a translator. She would get money um, as a seamstress. She'd get money money doing hair, and so that entrepreneur spirit it's it kind of settled in with me. I remember mm. I remember reading comic books, and I in the back of my comic books there would be things like you could you could buy different things as an entrepreneur. Buy uh, like this one thing I bought was this little cheap uh, vase that had pretty flower plastic flowers in there, and they had these little capsules where if you pierced them, you put them in the in the bathroom. It was it, it, it had a nice fragrance to it. And I oh, remember sorry. I remember buying boxes of those things because I always was making making money on the side, even as a kid. Um, and, and I bought these I bought these these boxes. My dad goes, what a waste of money. You're never going to be able to sell those things. And I went out with my mom and we hustled and we sold them all. We're bringing back the boxes, Billy. And, and my, my dad goes, you see, I told you, you, you weren't going to be able to, to sell those things. I said, dad, they're empty. They're empty. <laughs> <laughs> you hey. know, you remind me of um, uh, Gary Vee. I don't know if you know who Gary Vee is. Oh, yeah. You know, you know how yeah. Gary Vee goes to like, um, um, like uh, garage, garage sales or whatever. Right. He buys all these different things and resell them and stuff like you got to remind me of that whole uh, work work ethic, like the hustle mentality, like, you know, hey, yeah. we're going to figure something out. Somebody's going to buy this, you know, and then yeah. just finding something of value to be able to resell to people. That's that's dope, man. Yeah, bro, so, I'm, I'm, I'm still hustling. I mean, <laughs> you know, as you know, I'm invested in the markets. I yep. run my own fund, uh, my wealth management practice. I do real estate investing. I mean, I just closed. I just closed on a, a, a property here in California. Uh, in Boulder Creek, California, for all your mm -hmm. listeners out there, because I'm going to be Airbnb in a portion of it. And wow, nice. Yeah, I picked it up for, she, well, the lady that was selling it, her late 80s and um, off-market opportunity, she was selling it for 1.3, which was still a steal because after, when, I had the, <laughs> yeah, when I had the appraiser done, the, the appraisal done, it came back, the replacement value was 2.3 mil. I picked it up for $755,000, all cash deal. And, and the lady, the, and I'll tell you this, the reason she sold it to me for that low, she said she liked me. I seemed like a nice young man. Wow. 
telling you, man. That's 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 amazing. You, you know, uh, man, it's kind of like it reminds me of that one saying, like people people don't people don't like to be sold to or or, or whatever, you know. But yep, you know, yep. like if you, if they if somebody likes you enough, it doesn't matter what you're selling, they're gonna buy it from you. you exactly. I mean? Or if they if they really like in your case, they'll sell it to you for whatever yep. <laughs> you know, yep. for a good price. Exactly. So, one question I have is, so I'm reading this book right now, The Millionaire Mindset, right? And it talks about like money and all those different things. Because I kind of wanted to like get your input on this. Um, when it comes to money and how we think about money. So mm. it's, it's very interesting that you saw, kind of like you mentioned, like you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't rich, but you weren't poor either. So how, how did you go from, you know, like your relationship with money? How did you kind of like identify with that? Because I know people that I grew up with that, you know, either one and both sides. Like I have friends who grew up with so much money that when they grew, when they, when they got older, they just spend money. They, 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 they have no concept of like, oh, I need to reinvest and be made more, make more money. Right. And then I have people on the opposite side who grew up with no money and all they want to do is save money. So they have good savings in the bank account, but it's not earning any interest in all this stuff. So yeah, kind of how, how did your growing up shape your understanding of money and how did that help you? Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, my, my, my dad had some pretty wealthy uh, uh, friends and, you know, my dad was a pretty, I guess, a likable guy because he, he, he did have a very strong work ethic. So everyone always respected him. Um, and when, when, when I used to hear conversations about people that were going ahead and really make what I considered making an impact by being able to help their community, help other people, it was always the people with money. I mean, my dad wanted to do certain things and he gave money to the church and whatnot, but he was never really be able to make that type of impact that I saw people with some really, some sick money being able to do. Yep. And then that, yeah, at an early age, I just always realized, and I was always kind of a, I was a, a little kid with an old soul. And I was mm-hmm. always, I was always thinking ahead, thinking, I wonder what my life's going to be like later on in life. And even now I think to myself, after I'm gone, what are people going to say? Am I truly going to leave an impact on this world? And, and a lot of it, I'll tell you, Billy, a lot of it has to do, you know, we go through ups and downs in life. You know, I was married for 25 years, beautiful Taiwanese girl. Um, and she she was six years younger than me and, and it ended up, she had an autoimmune disease, got all kinds of other diseases that went along with it. It was very unfortunate. And at the end, she ended up dying of a brain aneurysm. Oh, and at, before she even saw her 42nd birthday, and, and it really oh, just, and she was kind of a, she, she was just a stay at home uh, wife that, that just didn't go out. And that was, that was what she wanted to do. But when she died, no one really, I, I thought to myself, God, does, does anyone really know? Does anyone care? Does anyone, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't, I want, when I go, I don't, I'm not afraid of dying. What I'm afraid of is dying without leaving an impact on this world. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's, that's some powerful stuff right there, Bruce. Uh, you know what matters is what what does that dash represent right from you know from the time you were born to the time you're down your tombstone there's a dash what does that dash represent you know yeah. like is people gonna remember anything between those dashes that's awesome man ronnie what you got yeah man that, that's that's powerful there i think a lot of people miss that um because they're so focused on trying to get successful instead of leaving an impact and seeing what you can do for other people um but Kind of want to ask, like, how did you get actually in the market as far as trading? I know you said you you read like the Wall Street Journal, but when did that transition go <laughs> from just looking at the journal to, hey, I'm in the market, I'm trading? Yeah, so that was and that's another story. So I've been in the market since 1981, and I remember what. Uh, so when I graduated from high school, um, again, I'm a big big believer in your 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 surroundings really shape who you become. And you have to be cognizant of that. If you don't believe that, 
you're just going to, you look around, you're going to become like the people you're around. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. But if you're not, it's something different. You know, so in my household, again, my dad was a government worker for more than 50 years. He retired from the, the Air Force after 30 years, then retired from the post office after putting in another 25 years. So my dad, when I was going through high school, he had me take the civil service exam. And I, I didn't really want to take that, that, that civil service exam, but I took it, passed it with 100%. A week after graduation, the, the post office, Santa Clara, California, post office is calling me and I didn't want to go. And I'll tell you, Ronnie, I, 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 I turned to my mom and I said, mom, what do I do? I said, I, I, mm-hmm. I want to be a sports doctor. I don't want to, I don't want to go to be a post office. No, no, no disrespect to, to dad. That's not what I want to do. And my mom says, well, it's been a good life for us, son. You know, listen to your dad. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me, but I did. I, I went to Woolworth for the post office. So here I was at 17 years old, almost 18 years old. Um, working for the, the United States Postal Service as a letter carrier. But things happen for a reason, Ronnie. I believe things happen for a reason. On my route, I met a guy that had his, his home office all set up, screens, uh, uh, taking a look at, uh, at different screens and whatnot, different charts. He was he was outlining things on on graph paper, which we don't even use anymore, right? And, and, I, and I, I said, his name was Frank Ammon. And I said, what's this? And he goes, what's the futures? And I go, what's that? And that's what was my first introduction to the market was trading the futures. Then he introduced me to trading the stock market. And I would go through the S&P 500, this big old book that had the 52-week lows and 52-week highs. You probably don't even know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. <laughs> you mean, you you mean there wasn't always computers? <laughs> no, it wasn't always computers, man. That's a whole nother story. I didn't get my first computer until 1990. But, but you know, so here I am graphing things out, but I, I was addicted to it because I remember investing in a couple of stocks that I, I just... I, I felt I believed in the, the business model and whatnot. I didn't even was wasn't even reading 10K filings really at, at that point, but it was just the business model of the company. I started investing in the marketplace, opened up an account called Daytac, which isn't even in around anymore, and I was investing ever since. And 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 so even though I wasn't trading professionally at that age, during my time at the post office, I'd be investing in the marketplace, um, investing in stocks, kind of like a. a uh, not not really a, a long term buy and holder, but I would I would I would hold positions. I didn't know how to swing trade, didn't know how to day trade, didn't know anything about really charting because we didn't have charts back there except for the graph. Um, and then from from that transition, when I turned twenty, what was it twenty one? I went to go work for the because I didn't really like the uh, the the post office. At twenty one, I went and went ahead and, and and signed up, took the test, and went to work go work for the Fremont Police Department here in California. And that was a whole nother ride. But my, my, my whole thing for, 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 for trading the marketplace, being invested, the more, I, the more I, I kept with the marketplace and I would take a look at my day job, I thought, man, I, I saw the math right away. I saw that you could do incredible things that I couldn't do working a, a 10-hour shift at the police department. So I just kept on plugging away, kept on plugging away. I ended up going to, to uh, Taiwan. And this, was, this is what changed, really changed my life and put me where I'm at right now. I went to Taiwan. And I met very influential people. Later, the, the, the guy went on to become the president of Taiwan. And we became friends. And I remember his wife turned to me, and I called her Jiang Mama. And she turned to me and she said, wow, in, in Chinese, she's telling, she says, because I, I speak Chinese. And she says, you, uh, you're, you're an American police officer? And I said, yes, I am. And I was kind of proud. And I stuck my chest out. I go, yes, I am. And she <laughs> says to me, what a waste. I go, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But inside, I'll tell you, Billy and Ronnie, inside, I knew that's not what I wanted to do. And I needed someone to kind of slap me. Slap you. Yeah. And, yeah. I, yep, and I remember calling Chief Wasserman, who was the chief at the time. Uh, I called him up and I said, Chief, if I leave the department and things don't work out, can I come back? And he says, Officer Dinger, go follow your dream. And 
I quit the department. I enrolled in the university. I got accepted in the university. I spent four years going there, graduated with an undergraduate degree in Chinese linguistics. I speak the language fluently. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, I actually even had my own TV show on the stock market, all in Chinese. Yeah. Uh, the largest Chinese network. Oh, in Chinese, you look it up. It's called Hot Stocks for Income with, with Bruce Stinger. It was sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Wow. Yeah, just things, <laughs> just, just things in motion. You don't know until you actually, you're starting to go through the process, but things happen for a reason. For a reason. Wow. Like that's, I mean, looking back at your life, it's, it's like all, almost like, you know, those things were set up for you to just be in there. Those, like, those you know what I mean? Connected. Those dots definitely connected. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. That's 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 crazy. That's amazing. So um, if you can walk us through like your first trade, right? Like what was your first trade that you ever took? You know, whether it to be the futures or even like trading stocks, like whatever. What you know, was the, your first trade and how did yeah, that feel? So it, it, I, I can't remember how I know I made money on the trade. Uh, and that's one of probably one of the reasons I remember it. But my very first trade, it's funny you say that because I remember it was Rock Bottom Brewery. And I don't even know if they still exist. Do they exist, Ronnie? The in, Chicago, in Chicago. In uh, Chicago. Is, is, is that the restaurant? That was the restaurant. Yep. Yep. That's a, we still have a location in Chicago. Yeah. Yep. There's one yeah. in Pittsburgh too. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> that, was my, that was the very first stock I invested in. And I, because I liked their business model, I saw where they were going. And, you know, it's just, um, and, and you know, no, nothing really has much has changed in terms of my investment style. Now, I only invest in things that I believe in. I, I take a look and, and uh, people always say, Bruce, are you a fundamentalist? Or are you a tech, technical analysis? I look at both, but really where it comes down to it, I'm a catalyst trader. So even like before we had this whole pandemic, I looked out, I got a small team, we got together and I said, hey guys, let's find out the stocks, a lot of stocks are going to go down, but let's find out which ones are going to take off. And we looked at Okta, they, they, you know how they do authentication for remote workers. We invested in Zoom. We invested in Peloton. Actually, I have a Peloton bike sitting in front of me that I got from the profits I took from my Peloton trade. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> how you do it. That is how you do it. <laughs> you let the company pay for your stuff. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I'm, I'm kind of glad you started on that path where, you know, you start talking about your strategy and stuff. And that's one of the questions that Ronnie and I was talking about. I was like, okay, so um you have all of those stocks like what is the look what they're looking at s p what they're looking at nasdaq like you have all these stocks how do you know which stock is actually going to be taken off in the next year maybe in the next you know 24 to 36 months like how do you know that and what are the categories that you take to in mind when you analyzing those stocks you know what i mean so it's like how do you actually get this so when you looked at octum you looked at zoom you looked at all these things which i don't know if you looked at it before the pandemic or you know during the pandemic time but it's like that was kind of like a solid play because as the pandemic hit, Zoom took off, Okta took off, all this company side, even Peloton took off. You know yep. what I mean? So yep. how did you get to that point where it's like, you know, hey, these are the stuff we're going to focus on? Yeah. So that's a great question. So a lot of people will say, you know, you must be you must be really good at math. And I'm, I'm not bad at math, you know, but really what has made me successful in the marketplace is human behavior, understanding how people react. And that's really what the markets are all about. It's about human behavior. So when I take a look at different events that are going on, you know, when they were making the um, the, the, the 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 mandate for masks, I quickly went out there and took a look. What what companies do I think would do well? So I looked at some of the mask companies like uh, Retractable Technologies, RVP. You know, so I, I the, the, that's how just my mind works. I'll take a look and I'll say, where are we going right now? So even like recently, um, I went ahead and and been in and out of Zoom. Uh, one trade I, I won, another trade I lost, I gave it back because um, it just wasn't the right time. But I'm also a very disciplined trader. So I go off of, I combine what I call layers. I, what I call layer, I don't just look at fundamentals, the business model, technicals. I, I'm taking a look at all these things. What's the catalyst? 
And there has to be some layers that go along with that. Um, so the more layers I have, the more confident I feel, more conviction I have. And typically I trade, I trade heavy on the trades. I'll, I'll, I'll trade my own personal account. I'll usually have on maybe two, maybe three trades. Three trades is a lot for me, but I go heavy on the trades. But I, I'm very disciplined. I, I, I use options as a way to hedge my portfolio. So if I'm losing on a trade, it's not going to sting as much. Maybe I can go ahead and even break even. Mm-hmm, you know. So mm-hmm. there's things that I'll look at. But you know, our business, and you guys know this, our business is all about timing. So right now, the whole thing, you know, I have two young daughters and uh, and, and a son. But the daughters, my, my daughters are going to school, and mm-hmm. both of their 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 schools send me over different notices, emails. Uh, saying, hey, we got another case of COVID. We got another separate case of COVID. So my mind immediately goes, I, the way I internalize news now is not as, you know, John Doe uh, public public figure. It's it's as a trader. And I think to myself, what? how do how am I going to make money off of this news? So that's what caused me to get into Zoom right now. So the, the, if you take a look at Zoom, Zoom had pulled back. Technically, it was, it was forming a base. I looked at that around, two, around the 260 area. Uh, around 261, I jumped into the trade. And I said, okay, if it breaks below 260, Towards the close, I'm gonna I'm gonna flush the trade and get out of it, and it did. It broke below 260, so I, I jumped out of the trade. But those are things that I take a look at. Is I'm looking for for things that I believe are going to have the wind against its back because of the 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 environment or the economic conditions, whatever that might be, or mandates by the government, things of that nature. There. So so you basically like kind of like you say you're a catalyst trader, right? Like you figure you're trying to figure out what's actually going to drive this specific stock to go up. And I'm yep. glad you mentioned that whole you know like as traders or investors. Like you don't just take the news lightly, right? Like you, you have to actually like, okay, um, something you hear about it. It's kind of like with the with the whole Dollar Tree thing, you know, that just ran up a couple of days, couple of days ago. I heard the news, but my mentality was it's gonna go down because they changed their business model. They're not no, they're, they're gonna offer things that cost more than a dollar. I was like, okay, why would that make the stock run up? Luckily, I didn't play based on my thoughts and understanding, and the stock ran up, right? So you no longer look at the news; just news is actually like, okay, what? How can I capitalize on this news, right? Um, there's another guy that I know who loves playing Roku, and the reason why he played Roku is because he saw televisions, people buying TVs on on in, in Target and in, in, in Walmart and in um, in Best Buy, and it has this thing called Roku on it. He's like, what the heck is Roku, right? That was like a couple of years ago. And then he stopped buying the stocks. And as you can see, Roku is like explo- it's exploding right now, you know? So that's that's how you capitalize on those on those type of market. So I, I definitely agree with you on that one. So uh, you talked a lot about you being a disciplined trader. What are some of the, uh, like your, your no-go or your, like your, your list of rules that you have for yourself that you don't break at all when you trade? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're, it, it, trading stocks, trading options, two different, two different, um, Camps. So, like on the options side, I see a lot of guys get into options because of the potential for exponential growth, and it's great. I trade options as well. What I don't do though is I don't do front month options. I won't uh, when if I'm a buyer, I won't go ahead and I. Um, I mean, typically for me, even if I have conviction around the trade, like on the the Zoom calls that I was doing, they, here we are in what September. I was doing the 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 Jan the Jan call options, and and I go in the money. I was buying the Jan two hundred dollar call options. So I'll go I'll go out, you know, four or six months, and I also go in the money. And I'll go deep enough in the money where, because people always ask, well, how deep in the money do you go? I go deep enough where I can almost, it's like buying the stock where I'm not paying that extrinsic value on the option. I'm only paying intrinsic value. So that's important for me. I'm not greedy in, in, in the marketplace. I'm really not. Um, you know, I tend, to, I tend to get out of trades probably sooner than I should. When I start seeing run-ups, I start to, I start to scale out of the trade. Um, so, but one of my, one of my rules for, one of my rules for getting into a trade, I, I typically will scale into the trade unless I really have high conviction on the trade 
And I know that, you know what, like Roku, I, I just went all in, oh, not Roku, uh, Zoom, I went all in on it when it was down around a certain area. But I also knew where my, my what I call my uncle point, where I was going to say, oh, I'm done, I'm stopping out. And I'll stop out. I don't sit there trying to convince myself. You know, so th- th- those are those are some of the things that that I think you have to you have to have as a trader is you have to know everybody's trading style is going to be different. You can't mimic somebody else. You know, it's okay to right. get ideas. Maybe I get ideas from you, Billy, or you, Ronnie, but I have to own that decision and I have to know why I'm getting into the trade. Does it make my does it follow my technical rules, my fundamental rules? Does it follow my the, is there a catalyst ahead of it? You know, those type of things there. And if there's not a catalyst for me on a trade, I won't take it. Like there's mm-hmm. there's a trade right now on the on the biotech side where there's some there's there's some rumor that well that's not just a rumor. Uh, this company went ahead and uh, has the patent for the delivery system for the vaccine, and mm. Moderna did not infringe on that patent. And they did, so the thing is now there's there's a couple key dates that are out there. October seventh is one. October twelfth is another one. But they've already been issued the the the, the, the patent. So high probability says Moderna is going to have to cough cough up some dough for this this. Um, uh, the royalties and whatnot. Right. So right. to me, that's a high probability trade. And there's a, there's the catalyst right there that's in front of it. Yeah. You almost have to like be in tune with the market. It's like, you know, things right. just, news are just not news. You just, you, you got to think about it more than just that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, before we start talking about uh, the next questions I have is Ronnie, you got any question? Um, I want to know it's for, well, not necessarily for me, for the viewers. Um, I know you're a hedge fund manager. Can you explain what a hedge fund manager is and what what do they do <laughs> for people yeah. who don't know? Yeah, so there, there there's different types of uh, uh, everybody runs just like you trade. Everybody runs their fund differently. I'm a what 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 you would call a direction agnostic fund, where we trade both sides depending on what the market is. If the market's mm-hmm. bullish, we'll trade bullish. We trade if it's bearish, we have no problem switching gears and going bearish. There's some funds that are just you know um, bull funds or bear funds. Um, we don't do any, you know, indexes or long-term holds. Uh, our trades last typically uh, on the short side, maybe five days. On the long oh, side, wow. maybe you know, maybe two months. You know, but we're not. We we don't buy and hold, and we we also we use options as a way to hedge the portfolio. So a lot of people will go ahead and they'll 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 have conviction on a trade, but they don't know the first thing about how do you put insurance on a trade, which is what we call uh, from in a professional world a hedge. So we go ahead and we 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 will buy if we're going long a long a, a shares we'll buy put options just as an insurance policy just like you would do on your your vehicle in case you get an accident or or health insurance you know you're not hoping to to get in a car accident to cash in on the policy well, I'm not hoping to to be able to the market crashes so I cash in on my put policy I, actually I hope that I lose everything on my puts you know rarely do I but but the whole concept is that your 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 main position if you're bullish your main position is is going to make you money and off, offset that loss but right. you have insurance on there for a reason along with stops right and I think a lot of people forget that that's that's what the original design for options right to actually hedge your position uh, and I think a lot of people now using it as a, a uh, a main way of earning income and all this stuff, which is still great, but it's like options originally created as a, as an insurance, yeah. right? So it's like to make yeah. sure that your your you know you don't you kind of cover your losses if, if something happens to your to your shares, basically. Right. Um. Why why hedge funds? Like, why didn't you just like, hey, I'm good at this, I can just do it by myself. Why did you decide to do a, create a, a company yeah. and you know and go that way? So there's a couple of things. So my, even even my practice has changed since I started it. Uh, originally, I was taking on what we call accredited investors, and I would have guys put a couple hundred thousand dollars with me. And really, they they maybe they had a couple million, and they were they they didn't have much more to go. They were tapped out, 
And I quickly saw, I thought that's not even the way to go uh, because I want to be able to have people that have very deep pockets that are your ultra wealthy clients um, that, you know, are not, are going to start with a million and maybe put in 10 or 20 million uh, down the road. So uh, I hired, and this is the thing about, you know, even this is, this happened even during the, at the beginning of the pandemic, I went ahead, everybody else is looking to cut back. I went ahead and hired three former uh, professional ballplayers. One was uh, by the name of a guy named Mike Smith, who played for the uh, the NBA, played with uh, Larry Bird and those guys, and uh, very, very well-connected individual. And I said, you know, here's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to bring on guys that have a minimum of a, this. So this is, this is, these are the ultra wealthy guys that have a minimum of a net worth of at least $30 million. If, if they don't have at least that, don't bring them to me. And I have several guys um, in my practice that have, that are knocking on the door of a billion dollars. Um, and then there's some guys that I could say their names and you guys would say, Oh, I know that person. Um, so they've done a very good job of bringing me really some solid, solid individuals. And I've built relationships with those folks and it just continues to feed itself. So the reason, so going back to your question, you know, it, it goes back to anything else. So it's all about leverage. I only have a certain amount of capital. We're now managing a fund and that's the whole thing too. Everybody sets up their fund a little bit different. A lot of people will do the standard thing is to set up a, a uh, management fee where you're charging 2% and 20% or 3% and 30%. So I, I have a, so much confidence in my performance. I don't charge a, um, a management fee for assets under management. I charge strictly 100% a performance fee. That performance fee is the highest the SEC will allow me to do, which is 50%. So I take five zero, 50% of the profits each and every quarter. And I love it. And they love it too. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it work harder. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Uh, Ronnie, you have any questions, man? That is, um, I did have a question, actually. Um, what is your thoughts on dividends? as far as long-term investments and how important is that um, for portfolios and, you know, life after, you know, you're working and things like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's good. It is important. You know, I have, you know, I know guys that that's all they do is invest in dividend paying stocks, but that also comes, I'll tell you, Ronnie, it comes with really when I hear that and people say, I'm, I'm investing because it pays out a great dividend. It's just, uh, it's ignorance about the marketplace is all it is because they don't know. I mean, if you really want to go ahead and get dividends in the marketplace and a payout and you like the, you like the stock, then why don't you go ahead and sell puts on that stock and bring in money? So sell puts that, you know, don't go crazy, but sell puts on the amount that if you got assigned it, you could afford to buy the stock because you're going to buy it anyway, sell put on it and bring in one to 3% every single month or every single, you know, six weeks. So it's, that's the way to do it, in my opinion. But, you know, I, I get the whole idea about let me get paid while I'm holding the stock. Let me also get paid for it, too. I think I think uh, one of our guests actually talked about that. Uh, Francis, I think Francis mentioned that where he said that uh, he creates his own dividend, basically, uh, by either, you know, selling a put or, you know, or selling a call, whatever. So he creates his own dividend based on his whatever he has. So I, th- I think that's a really, really dope way to like, you know, to make money while you're holding the shares. So I think just- in my opinion, too, Billy, it's it's probably the safest strategy out there. I mean, Warren Buffett does that. A lot of people think he goes out and buys a stock. He doesn't do that. He goes out there and he sells puts. He wants mm. he the intent to buy the stock, you know, in hopes that it get, gets assigned. Plus he gets the discount. Plus he gets the, the dividend. He gets that premium that it takes in from the put. So when people say, well, you're going to sell a put, you know, that's that's risky. It's it's less risky than buying the stock. You know, you buy the stock <laughs> and that's certain price and you're getting the discount. And you're taking it right, right. It's, it's just people don't understand. 
I, th- I think it's I think it's just lack of knowledge, right? So, and I also think about um, so the reason why that question is important that I want to stay in there is because we got a lot of people right now, especially during the pandemic. You know, we got into options. We make tons of money. Like you know, some some people made more money than they can ever imagine making, especially during the pandemic. Especially if you start doing options and all that stuff, right? And I think people miss the point when it comes to understanding how the market actually works. And I feel like uh, from last year to now, I think it's an eye opener because 2020 was kind of like one of those anomalies, right? It's like it was a it was a weird year where everything dropped. And when it started coming back up, like everything was moving, like like the implied volatility was just crazy. Like if things was going back up, like you know, right back to the to, to the original number before they actually you know, dropped before the pandemic, and people were making tons of money. Um, but I want people to actually understand that the stock market is way bigger than just the options market, right? So even if you're making money in the options market, you should still consider buying stocks, or you should still consider like you know, kind of like. Uh, reevaluating your strategy of just buying options and selling options or um or trading just options you know buying those stocks kind of going back to what you say if you own the shares then think about other strategies for you to actually make money while you're holding the shares not just wait for it to go up and down so mm-hmm. i think that's a very very important point for people to, to remember that there's other more there's a lot of other strategies out there for you to make money in the stock market it's just not you know not just one way right so um my next question for you bruce is um what has the stock market done for you what what has it like you know you know you, you know you know you're not picking potatoes anymore i mean <laughs> sometimes <laughs> the concept's still there right the hard work's still there but uh how has that kind of changed your your life and you know and just what what kind of different things that it allow you to do beyond just the stock market well you know for me my my kids are everything to me you know you have to ask me what drives me it's my kids i have i have two Two uh, two daughters and a and a young son. And my 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 oldest daughter is eleven. My youngest daughter is five, and my son he's two and a half. And that's that's where my focus is. They've never seen me have to leave the house to go outside of work unless I wanted to. And a lot of times I've taken them with me. Uh, but I think the big thing is you know a lot of people you'll hear people say you know I want to give my kids what I didn't have. Uh, I want to buy my kids the things that I didn't have when I was growing up. My mindset's a little bit different. I want to be able to to teach my kids the things that I wasn't taught, you know, so that stays with them forever. Material things, they dissipate, but the knowledge, no one takes away from you. Like the knowledge I have right now, no one can take that away from me. You know, I started, I started teaching my, my oldest daughter about the markets, man, when she was four, five years old, I got her into real estate investing. She's bought properties with me. She didn't know what she was doing at that age, but she went through that whole process and now at 11 years old, she talks like a, like a, like an investor, you know? Oh, wow. That's amazing. So it's, 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 it really is amazing. Um, and that's, I think that's what it's done for me is to realize that there's the opportunities are endless out there. You know, you know, you have to, you talked about the millionaire mindset. You have to be able to, uh, to be able to imagine that you can do anything that you mm-hmm. want to do. Cause if yep. you, if you really can't, if you can't imagine it and you can't see it in here, and you don't believe it, how's it ever going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I believe that. I believe that you can do anything that you want to do. You just have to be willing to do it. That's the, yeah, especially the imagination part. <laughs> Somebody once told me that like, if you you're like, you know, you can look at a tree and see a tree. Somebody else can look in tree and see a chair. Somebody else can look in tree and see a bed. Somebody else can look at tree and see, like, it just depends on how you look at things. You know what I mean? So that's, I, I definitely agree with that one. I definitely agree with you one. Ronnie, what you got? So the question I have, um, what is your thoughts on cryptocurrency? Because I know crypto wasn't (laughs) in when you first started. 
back in 1981. And, you know, what is your thoughts on where the market is moving and crypto and NFTs and all these different things are coming about? Yeah, I, I, I believe it's real. I think that people don't that don't get invested in crypto, they'll regret regret it later on. You know, I, I heard that when Google IPO'd and they everyone said that the internet and, and search engine was just a fad. I look at Google now. Same thing is going to happen right now. And this is the thing about, you know, traveling the world. I continue to travel. Um, it, it, it opens your eyes to different things. You go to you go to China, you know, before the pandemic, I would go to China probably four or five times out of the year. And uh, they don't accept they're not taking your credit cards or 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 anything else. They're going to a, a cashless society. And, you know, I, I think that crypto all plays into that whole thing. So my whole belief, you buy and you hold that and you close your eyes and 10 years from now, you'll be glad you did. That's that's my belief in it. I mean, there's too many other companies. You talk about block, you know, look at blockchain technology. I've done consultant for different companies like Visa and um, Baker Hughes and some of these other large companies. And a lot of them are already invested in blockchain technology. So, you know, it's real. It's coming, believe it or not. You know, people can can try to fight it, but they won't. those are the people that won't make any money. And, and they'll say, man, no one saw that coming. Yeah, we saw it coming. We saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> how, how how quickly you think that's going to accelerate? Um, you know the way the way we treat the, the way we treat money now. Because I was looking at some stats. Like, I think it was a really low number. Of how how many people actually use cash now? Right. Yeah. I think yeah. more people use plastic now. So yep. I wonder how how fast would that accelerate for us to go from like kind of like what China is doing right now? It's like okay. Yeah. How, how how crazy how how fast can they accelerate actually that that whole process? Yeah, I think I think within the next five years things are going to be very very different. And I say, I think I think this is where also I tell you, Billy and Ronnie, this is where age um, comes into play. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny how life works. You know, when you get to a certain age and stuff, and you only have a certain number of years to live. You know, after you have accumulated all this knowledge, so I, that's why I try to make the most of my time. But I remember you, we talked we laughed a little bit about computers. You know, I didn't get my first computer until 1990. And that first computer was an Apple, what they call an Apple carry-on. Um, wow. And it was, it was a big old, it was a big old thing. It wasn't no compact thing like what I'm using now. And even, even the phones, my first, my first phone, I'm here, I am going out tomorrow. I want to get my, um, the iPhone 13. And I nice. think about it now, my first phone was, was back in 1993. Oh, it wow. was a GTE mobile net phone. We have one it of was those. like a, it was, yeah, exactly. And I didn't want to call anybody unless it was a client <laughs> because it was so expensive. So oh, wow. when you think about it, that wasn't that long ago. And look how we've accelerated now. Look, you know, so these are the things you have to pay attention to as a trader. You have to take a look and say, where is the world going? Where is the, where, where is the world heading right now? And, and those that can kind of see out, you know, beyond the, the 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 trees, those are the ones that make money, sick money. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to just be able to see the trends around the corner. Yep, yep. And it's funny because we were talking to somebody and we talked about uh, the the concept of like the the A track from the A track to the to the to the cassette to the CDs and the CDs just disappeared so quick. And then we went straight to when Apple came and everything was you can upload all your music to a phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Were, were, you, were you guys were you guys old enough to remember Blockbuster? Do you remember Blockbuster? Yes, yep. yes. So yep. everybody That's in the great day, I remember that. I remember walking into a Blockbuster when Netflix yes. was coming on the scene, and everybody in the store, the little manager there, was saying, "Yeah, we're that we're going to snuff them out." Well, that wasn't the case. That wasn't. The case. You, know? you have to be able to adapt. Adapt. 
Wow. And that goes not just for companies, that goes for people too. Like it you got to be able to adapt too. So man, that's, yeah. that's awesome. So I, I do want to talk a little bit. You mentioned real estate. I do want to talk to you a little bit about real estate. Yeah. Um, so what, what type of, um, are you like a, a buy and hold type of uh, real estate person? Are you like a flip? Are you a wholesaler or like how, what kind of, what kind of real estate, uh, transaction do you do? Yeah. So it's changed over the years. So, um, I do, I've done a lot of, uh, buy and, uh, uh, fix them up and flip them, what we call residential redevelopment. Um, I've done a lot of that in many different countries. Actually, I'm looking at property in Georgia as, as, oh, wow. nice. you know, yep. so, um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, they're afraid to go outside their, 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 their perimeter. My whole thing is in real estate, it's like the market, your, your, you know, basket of goodies is everywhere. So I, you just, there's certain criteria that I take a look at for real estate. And if it meets my, my criteria and the numbers make sense, then I go for it. And a lot of properties I'll buy sight unseen and I'll flip them. But re, you know, recently I started changing into really looking at more commercial property, okay. uh, properties that cash flow. That's a really big thing for me. It, it's great to do the, the, the fix and flips. I mean, I've done fix and flips making you know, $100,000, $200,000 on a fix and flip. Because typically when I look at a fix and flip, I'm going for an ARV that has an ARV of 800,000 to about 1.1 mil. Um, I typically won't go over 1.1 mil unless it's here in California because that attracts mm-hmm. a different type of a buyer. But the profit margins on something like that are huge. And I'll focus on pre-foreclosures and whatnot. But, you know, you know, doing the doing the cash flow business, that's, you know, that's really where it's at. That's how you build tremendous wealth and wow. you build yep. what you call, what I call generational wealth. You know, it's just, Cash loan properties, and and they're not easy. They're not that difficult to uh, to get funded either. A lot. Right. Of, I try not to use my own capital if I can. That's 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 the point right there. Like you know, one of the one of the things that I've done is especially with my proceed from like my twenty twenty, I guess, investment in in, in options, whatever, whatever. I took that and put it into a property. You know, like and started to kind of create that generation wealth, whatever. Um, the one thing I do want to ask about it is, I know you said before we talked, it's like you, you started, you got a property that you're potentially thinking about putting into uh, Airbnb. So why Airbnb and not rental tenant? Like why, why are you not going that route? Yeah. So I, this will be my first Airbnb, Airbnb. So I'm excited about that. So where it's located, it's, if you know, California, it's, it's literally less than 15 minutes away from the, the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk, which is, which is a hot area. And I have friends that have been doing also real estate investing for a long time, but they've been doing Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So I asked them about it. And I said, what do you really make with those Airbnb projects? And they said, a lot more than if you rent. And I had, I had three people that, um, that offered me, you know, they say, I want to I rent this, uh, rent your, your unit. And I was already in talks with uh, a company called Plushy Host and then another company called Evolve. And I ended up, I ended up going with Evolve. Um, Are they, they like Airbnb uh, management, property management. Okay. So they'll gotcha. charge, you're going to charge me 10%, uh, but it wasn't the fee. The, 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 the plushy host was like between 10 and 25%, but it wasn't okay. the fee that did it. It was just the guy was had great follow, follow up and everything else, but they both did an analysis on the property at about 65 to 70% uh, occupancy. And they both of them quoted me about the same figure. They said, if we even if we rent it less than seventy percent of the time, um, you should make about eighty thousand dollars a year. I'm not going to get a tenant wow. to pay me that kind of money. Nope, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> I can tell you from experience. <laughs> absolutely, that's 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 some great numbers right there. Yeah, and I'll tell you the other th- the other big thing that kind of got me looking into it was the fact that so I bought this property. Um, it's it's tied to a commercial. I got the whole block, and and it's really in a nice area, a beautiful area. It's, may, it's what I would call trader's heaven. 
Um, so I also run a trader's roundtable. We don't have very many. I don't have very many students in there, but there's about 50, 50, 50 some odd students. And I want to have kind of a, uh, a, a trader's getaway. So if I rent it out to somebody, well, I can't even use my own property. But here I can go ahead and block out the dates if I want to have a, you know, where we trade, we all trade together. And I, I love doing stuff like that. Get around the right people because they uplift me and make me even a better trader. So that's that's another reason that was my, in my thinking. It just so happened that it's also financially beneficial too. No, that's awesome. That's like uh, you definitely like using your 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 knowledge of the, how the market works to actually apply it to the real estate world. So that's 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 beautiful. Um, Ronnie, what you got, man? Yeah. So I mean, are you thinking about? I mean, after you see how this goes with Airbnb expanding that to other you know countries or I would um, love to do that. You know, here's, yeah. Here's what I'm thinking about, Ronnie. So I do have a property in Nashville as well, probably two, but it's I'm renting it out. It's probably too far from Nashville. It's about 30 minutes from Nashville. I think it's too far for, mm-hmm. for Airbnb. Um, maybe not though, but I think it is. Um, but what I want to do is I want to take a look at companies like you know Marriott Vacation Club, uh, the timeshare companies, and I've been going through their 10K filings because what do they do? You know, you take a look at like a Subway or a Starbucks or a Jamba Juice and all of a sudden you see a Jamba Juice and then boom, Starbucks is right next to it or vice versa. Why? Because they know that those people already spent, you know, millions of dollars on analysis. doing market research analysis. Yep. So I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to take a look at Marriott Vacation Club. I'm going to take a look at where they have their resorts and villas. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, those are the areas that I'm going to be focusing on for my Airbnbs. It's funny you say that. Um, this year I went to Hawaii, I went to Maui and me and my wife bought uh, a villa on Maui. And when we don't use it, we can Airbnb that space out. Yep. There you go. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's a brilliant way to do it. Um, I think I read that in a book somewhere, like Starbucks opened up and somebody else opened up next to them. I forgot what it was, but that's, that's crazy. That's, that's definitely a good way to go through it. So, and Bruce, like, you know, in the wrapping questions, man, I just want to ask you one, you mentioned your classes. So what exact, how can, how can person get into your class if it's open and mm-hmm. what are type of, uh, what type of like topics do you cover in these classes? So we cover, so I have what, what, what it's called is the traders round table. Uh, it's an intimate group of, of traders, serious traders, really. Cause I try to vet them out. I don't like to have anybody in there that's just scalping right. the market. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. I've done that from time to time, but mostly we do swing trades. We're mostly swing traders that will go in and we trade options. We do uh, stocks as well. Lately, I've been looking at uh, penny stocks, stocks that are $5 and under that also have a good business model and explosive right. growth. I've gotten great, great results from that. But we, we're, we're heavily into options, different option strategies. So I go through, uh, there's a whole library of things that I've done over the course of years that talk about you know the basics of options all the way to advanced options. I do training classes using Zoom, like what we're using here. Um, usually on a weekly, bi-weekly basis, we'll jump on a call, talk about some of the hot stocks that, that we're looking at, how the market's changing, what are we looking at when the, as the market's pulling back down, um, those, that sort of thing there. But um, yeah, I'll, always open for, for, for new traders to join, for sure. I, ha- I haven't really, you know, I haven't, I used to go out and speak for some of the largest stages and a lot of the people, they got to know me. And they said, I want to, I want to be able to follow you wherever you go. And that's mm-hmm. how I kind of built that following, but I've done a poor job of, of marketing my service. You see some guys, they'll market their, um, their, their, their uh, services. I just haven't done that. And maybe I should, maybe that's something else, money, money I'm leaving on the table too. I was going to say, you, you definitely have a lot of knowledge, you know, from like, even just listening to your story, like from, from how you started before even like computers and all this different, you know, you were using, you were using paper for God's sake to do your research, you know, to, to come to now. I think you have a lot of knowledge that a lot of people benefit from. So 
you should definitely think about marketing that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree with that one. Um, my other question is, as a hedge fund manager, like, do you feel like you have access to tools that, you know, like a, a regular traders might not have access to, like, like the everyday traders? Like, what kind of tools are those, if you can I share think, them? <laughs> I think you would, you would ask me that, you know, uh, years ago. I would have said yes. Today, I don't think so. Okay. I think you know, there's so there's so many tools out there that use AI technology mm-hmm. for the retail investor. You know, you, you're going to have to you know cough up some money for it, but uh, there's so many things out there that I think are are really really good tools that that you know you can if you don't know anything about a company, you, you know if you put in the work and spend some hours on. On, on the computer, you can instantly find yeah. out some great things about that company and what are the catalysts and everything else that are upcoming. Yeah, that's, that's definitely dope. I think we live in an in, in information age too. So it's like everything is accessible. You just gotta, you just gotta go yeah. out there and figure it out. Yeah, I, um, I'll tell you, Billy. I mean, there's there's several young guys that I know that bank big, big money um, and they're in, their, they're in their early 20s. So there is really no excuse, but they're also, you know, like I said about, you know, picking potatoes, and working hard, these guys work hard in terms of they're constantly taking a look at the markets and and, and whatnot. But the payoff is there. The, you know, they're here. They are in their early twenties, making more money than you know uh, I've ever seen being made. It's just um, it's just you got to put the time into it. it. This is a business that you have to you know build that skill by being in front of the computer, looking at charts, going through and take going back 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 testing and saying why that stock can make a move. What was the noise about it? Was it chatter out there in the in in you know the 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 stock twit world. What what, what did that look like? Um, you have to be willing to put in the time. But I will tell you this, man. I wouldn't be doing anything else. As uh, you know, mm. trading the markets, investing in real estate. It you don't only really make money in that. You you have a lot of freedom to do what a lot of people only wish they they, they could do. Right. And that's, that's at, the the of the, at the end of the day, we we all trying to get our time back, right? We don't want to be spending our time doing things that we don't want to do. We don't enjoy doing. We want to do things that we know we enjoy. So that's yeah. absolutely true. So if you think about your younger self, right? If you think about young Bruce, like going back to right now, what what advice would you have for him in order to kind of accelerate, well, not, maybe not accelerate, but in order for him to kind of like, to get you into the market a lot sooner? Like, what would you tell young Bruce right now? Hang around different people, you know, hang around believers, you know, being able to uh, hang around people that think differently, that, that, that know that, that anything is possible. And that's how I think now, you know, my, my daughter asked me, um, she'll say, daddy, can I do this? I said, but you can do anything you want to do. You mm-hmm. just have to be willing to do it. You know? So I think, I think really, you, you know, it's good to have your own belief system, but I think even if you have a strong mind, if you're around negative people, it will drag you down and, and rob you of your full potential. Absolutely. Like, it, it's really important to be around people that are striving to be the best people that, that, uh, you know, even getting a mentor and, and being around somebody that's already done what you're what you want to do, mm. it's priceless. That's a hack right there. <laughs> getting around somebody who already done what you want to do. That's a hack. Like, you know, you they can actually tell you what to avoid, what you know, what sort of way to go to. Like that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Ronnie, you got any last minute questions, man? Yeah. Um, what's 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 next for Bruce in the next five to ten years? What what's the what's the plan? Where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, you know, I've always had a goal um, and, uh, of, of really being known as someone who's impacted a lot of people's lives. And there's people, there's like people in my group that I have one guy that he used to be a sales executive making 200000 plus dollars a year. Um, and now he's for the last, I don't want to say four years, he's been just trading full time. 
And, you know, he sends me things and says, man, Bruce, if it wasn't for you, I'd be still doing on the road, being away from my family. And it's, it's that type of thing is where I want to do. I want to do more of an impact. I want to have more of an impact on, on the young people that are coming up because that's how that's, I'll tell you, Ronnie, that's how you leave. You, you truly be able to write your own, your own legacy is where, you know, maybe your kids are sitting around the, the table or their kids are sitting around the table and they say, Hey, daddy, how did you get into trading? And they say, yeah, some, somebody was training my dad and his, and his name was some guy named Bruce Dinger out in California. Yes. That's what I want. That's, that's really what I want. So I strive, I not only strive to be the best trader that I can be, but I also want to, it does me no good to take it to the grave. I want to be able to pass that knowledge on to others who want to learn. Bruce, I'm telling you, man, you, you well on your way there. I, I, I honestly believe you well on your way there. Uh, just, just by the amount of work you're doing and the amount of knowledge you have. Like I said, like you definitely get on the get get on the marketing wheel, man. Market yourself, get get your name out there, and you know, you know, build build your build your and your network a lot bigger. Because I'm telling you, man, you have so much knowledge, and you know, you definitely want to be able to share with other people, and you know, and hopefully people listen to this. Like you know, go follow Bruce, man. Oh, oh yeah, actually, where can people follow you? Like, it is the websites, you know, your Instagram and all that. If you can just mention that real quick. Yeah. So the 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 uh, the, the website is brucedinger.com. So just my first name and last name.com. And I'm on Instagram. I mean, you know, lately I've been, I've been pushing, you know, I got on this one app called clubhouse and I thought yes. I'm going to get on that thing. I'm going to get on clubhouse every day and, and talk about the markets. And I went from zero to like over 7,000, know, yes. 8,000 followers. And I thought, shit, I should be <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but that's that's how that's how kind of uh, Ronnie and I kind of got to know yeah. you, like through, oh, wow. through, through Clubhouse. Yeah. Off of Clubhouse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you yeah. usually jump on with uh I don't know if you remember you remember Delu and Jesse and all these guys that you jump yeah. on and we talk yeah. about different different stuff. Yeah, that's how we kind of well, got to know. I was you. on there with Grant Cardone. And yeah. uh, who there were some other guys on there, and they were saying it was there was five guys for real estate and just me about the stock market, and they were, <laughs> you know, we were having a battle. That's <laughs> kind of funny. But that's amazing, man. You go you go into rooms that you know not a lot of people are there like you, so you know <laughs> that's amazing. But Bruce, man, I just want to say I, I thank you, man. I know Ronnie, you got any uh, last last minute words you want to talk to Bruce about? Um, I just think the power of the internet um, is amazing um, because. You know, a platform like Clubhouse linked me into getting, you know, to know who you are, to, to Instagram, to sending you a message. And, you know, we're doing this interview now is amazing. And I definitely appreciate the, you know, coming on and speaking with us and giving all the listeners, you know, great advice and keep on going. And um, definitely, man, I just appreciate everything. Well, you guys, you guys have great energy. I appreciate you saying that, Ronnie and Billy. You guys have great energy. And, uh, if there's anything I could ever do for me from a trading point of view, or you got any questions, you know, uh, feel free to reach out to me. It'd be a pleasure to be able to, to, to build a relationship with both of you guys, for sure. We definitely appreciate that. And we'll take you on that, man. And hey, if you have any uh, questions about marketing or Instagram, please reach out to us. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Billy. We, we are more than willing to help you out with that, man, to get the word out there about Bruce Dinger, you know, get you get 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 your name out there, you know, and, and you know, allow you to help a lot more people, man. Well, Billy, I'm going to hit you up on that, brother. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm ready, man. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Bruce, we appreciate you, man. And we appreciate you coming through and showing us some love, man. Hey, stock culture, man. We are out of here.